Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to AOA. Thank you so much for joining us and letting us be part of your day. We do appreciate it. Lots to talk about today. Concerns that agriculture has over some tax proposals. We'll talk with the president of the Missouri Farm Bureau, Garrett Hawkins, about those concerns. China continues to buy big as they have big changes going on, evidently, in their swine industry, their pork industry in China. They're buying a lot right now from us, a lot of corn. We'll talk about it with Todd Holtman. He's the lead analyst for DTN. And a very interesting meeting held recently. Leaders from uh, the beef industry, several different parts of the beef industry from different groups, groups that oftentimes do not see eye to eye on things. They came together to discuss issues and challenges facing the beef industry the, with the cattle market situation and things like that. They came to some uh, some areas of agreement. We're going to talk about that with Ethan Lane, Vice President, Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. All that coming up on today's program. But let's start it off with Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Jerry, good to talk with you. Are things starting to open up there in Washington, D.C., restaurants and, and stores and businesses? Or what are you seeing there? Oh, definitely things are opening up here. The, uh, the mayor said yesterday uh, that, uh, or no, the night before, uh, that, the, that we no longer have a mask mandate, uh, either outdoors or indoors, but it's now up to individual businesses as to whether they require the mask. I just got an email from my gym last night that we don't have to wear masks in the gym, uh, which is a real advance because there's always more concern when people are maybe uh, sweating and spitting, et cetera. So uh, I would say things are really open up. But they haven't opened up on Capitol Hill yet. Hmm. Uh, There the restrictions are still on, and the House Republicans are uh, pushing Speaker Pelosi to go back to normal business that would mean in-person hearings with the public being able to attend uh, and also no more of this proxy voting in which one member can vote for another member. So I think there'll be action on those things in the next few weeks. Why the resistance to opening things back up in the House? I mean, I would guess probably most members of the House are vaccinated. Yes, that's one point the Republicans made. Uh, I'm not sure there is so much resistance in that, or it is that they just haven't, uh, they haven't done it yet. Uh, I think all over the country you're seeing a kind of mixture of opening up and not opening up so much. States are varying in, the, in whether they're uh, uh, ending mask mandates. Uh, I know California is being a bit slower. Uh, while Texas, of course, is saying there won't be any more mask, uh, mask mandates. Um, so uh, uh, we're going to have a congressional break uh, from Memorial Day week, and after that I think it's more likely to be open. All right. What business may get done this week? Let's look at the infrastructure of bills, the, the competing bills, the bigger one the uh, Democrats are pushing, the more targeted one the Republicans are pushing. Are they anywhere closer to uh, middle ground on this? Well, they keep going back and forth on that. Uh, the Biden administration and uh, the uh, Senate Republicans are still trying to work on something. 
but the Senate Democrats are saying the Republicans are never going to agree to anything that, that they think is uh, comprehensive and worthwhile. Um, uh, so, uh, again, we'll have to see about that. Uh, for me, the biggest news of the week was at a member, uh, here, member day hearing yesterday, Randy Finstra from Iowa and uh, Dusty Johnson from South Dakota both said that the House Agriculture Committee needs to take up this livestock situation. Uh, they need to hold a hearing, uh, hearing on that. Uh, you mentioned you're going to have Ethan Lane on. Uh, it's all part of, of, of those concerns that are being raised by the, by the cattlemen. Uh, at the same time, the National Meat Inst uh, North American Meat Institute is defending themselves, saying uh, everything is uh, as it should be. Yeah, we've had this ongoing for some time now, supposedly this investigation going on by the Department of Justice looking into the cattle markets, but we're not even hearing uh, any updates or any progress reports or if there's any progress or any idea when uh, we might get the uh, final results. Well, that's what uh, that's what Senator John Thune, Senator Chuck Grassley, and, and Congressman Johnson from South Dakota uh, are all saying. They wrote, they wrote a letter to Merrick Garland, the Attorney General, asking for a report. Uh, this was started by the Trump administration, but then no, nobody's heard anything for a year. So we the, we don't even know if the investigation is going on. That's what Senator Grassley said in uh, in a phone call to reporters uh, this week. So we'll talk more about that a little bit later on in the program. Back on infrastructure, isn't there enough bipartisan support that if there was some kind of a targeted infrastructure bill presented, that there would be enough votes to pass it? I mean, both sides say they're for infrastructure improvements. Uh, yes, I think that that is true, that there, that there, is, uh, uh, there is support for that. Uh, the Democrats, of course, want to do uh, more. They have a they have a broader definition of, of infrastructure, including such things as a, child, a system for child care, uh, and they basically want a broader program than the, than the Republicans. And then on top of that, there's the issue of how to pay for it. Um, should there be tax increases, uh, or uh, should it be uh, some way in which you have user fees and, uh, and um maybe even some deficit spending uh, uh, or cutbacks in other programs. Uh, I think the, the pay-for is the, is the big obstacle here uh, rather than the infrastructure program itself. And we'll be talking more about that in our next segment with the uh, president of the Missouri Farm Bureau, some concerns about how to pay for some of these things that have been uh, proposed. Any other big item you see moving uh, anytime soon in Congress, Jerry? Well, I think that the, the other important thing that happened this week was that uh, Jewel Brana uh, got confirmed as the Deputy Agriculture Secretary, and the Senate Ag Committee just announced that uh, next week they will have a hearing on Janie Hipp, the nominee to be the USDA General Counsel. Uh, she will, of course, be an important figure in uh, some of these uh, uh, Biden administration programs that are that are criticized. She'll be the one who will decide whether they're uh, legal or not. Uh, so I think we'll be looking forward to that. But no word yet on a hearing on Robert Bonney, the nominee to be the uh, Undersecretary for uh, Food Production and Conservation. 
We're really waiting on that because he's the one who would really be in charge of, of the climate program. All right. We'll watch for that. Jerry, thanks a lot. Good to talk with you. We'll check in again soon. Thank you. All right. Great. Have a good week. Take care. Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Yeah, there's a lot of concern about some of these tax proposals, changes in stepped-up basis and uh, uh, land exchanges and some of these things that are very important to agriculture. Could they be part of the effort to pay for some of these spending programs? And where does agriculture draw the line? Wanting infrastructure improvements but not wanting changes in some of these uh, tax issues? We'll talk about that with Garrett Hawkins, president of the Missouri Farm Bureau, next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. It's been our legacy year after year, and we're proud of our heritage. At FS, our focus has been on improving growers' profitability by developing leading products and services to advance operations. Year after year, we've been committed to pointing the way forward. So visit fssystem.com and let's get you headed towards your next success. FS, bringing you what's next. Did you know that biodiesel reduces carbon emissions by 74% on average? It's the best option available today for states and cities across America looking to immediately cut carbon emissions. It's an important contribution from America's farmers to meeting the nation's carbon reduction goals right now. That's why we say biodiesel is better, cleaner, now. Learn more by visiting BetterCleanerNow.com, brought to you by the National Biodiesel Board in partnership with soybean farmers and their checkoff program. To be the king of the road, you have to fill with the king of diesels. We're talking about Cenex Premium Diesel. It comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Cenex Roadmaster XL even cleans up and prevents injector fouling to keep your trucks out of the shop and on the road. And typical number two diesel? That's always an option. The wrong option. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans, and if left untreated, can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. 
a message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice US. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. And we're joined now by the president of Missouri Farm Bureau, Garrett Hawkins. Garrett, good to talk with you. Thanks for joining us. Mike, I am thrilled to hear your voice. <laughs> well, it's been a while. It's good to talk again. Things uh, going good in Missouri. It's, things are opening up, uh, getting rain. Too much in some places, I would oh, imagine. But oh, yeah. uh, how are things looking overall? You know, overall, we're on pace when it comes to planting, but certainly it's been challenging. I mean, we, we've had our share of rain, and we've got pockets that have had more than others, but we're making progress. I would say that. So overall, I think yeah. I think sentiment's pretty good. I mean, how how can you not be with where prices are at right now? So that's right. That's a that that helps a lot. Well, let's talk about an area of concern though for agriculture, and I know you've been speaking out on this, and it, it's kind of an interesting dilemma. Agriculture has pushed for years for infrastructure improvements. Then you get proposals now that seem to address some of those issues, but along with it comes uh, how to pay for it. And some of the things being proposed, changes in stepped-up basis or capital gains taxes or things like that, those are big concerns for agriculture. So uh, where where do you stand on this, and, and how do you see the, the pluses and minuses of what's being proposed right now? Well, Mike, there, I, I've heard a lot of our members uh, use the, the acronym SSDD, same story, different day. And it seems like here we go again through the years that that all of a sudden we talk about death being a taxable event, right? So, I mean, that that is the fundamental issue that we're talking about. And the administration has put forth a plan, you know, a multifaceted plan, but the piece that we're most worried about is the elimination of stepped-up basis and then what the plan is to to impose capital gains tax at death and while they've tried to to tell agriculture hey don't worry it's not a big deal it still feels like it's deja vu we're still having this fundamental conversation and trying to talk about fairness and legacy in terms of what we do in agriculture that's the frustration that i hear from our members day in and day out i always say beware of people saying don't worry about higher taxes, that's going to be up for the rich people and it won't touch you. Somehow it usually touches us all. It does. I, and I mean, that's why, you know, we're spending a lot of time, our American Farm Bureau economists and other ag organizations putting pencil to the paper yet again to, to run the numbers and show, you know, how much, uh, how much things have changed in agriculture, especially when you look at land values. And a lot of the information we're putting together now looks back, you know, kind of over a 20-year period from 97 to, to kind of present day. And, and just showing, again, folks, if you start putting the pencil to the paper, start using the calculator, you can see that there can be some really dire um, consequences from imposing policies like this. I mean, all we have asked for, Mike, through the years is common sense tax policy that allows us to plan for the future, right? And here we go again uh, of perhaps changing the rules of the game 
and forcing more conversation with our accountants and so on to try to figure out how to plan for the future. That's the frustration Mm -hmm. (laughs) that I hear. And again, it comes back to why are we continuing to talk about death being a taxable event? We have, our farmers and ranchers feel like they have paid <laughs> on these assets their entire lifetimes, worked for what they have, and now here we go again of justifying why these common sense tax policies should stay in place. And just when you think this has been put to, to rest, it keeps coming back. We're talking with Garrett Hawkins, president of Missouri Farm Bureau. So, Garrett, the administration, uh, different officials within the Biden administration are saying, don't worry, agriculture, you're covered, we'll protect you. This isn't going to be a big impact on you. Are you not believing what they say, or do you want to, you want to see more proof? Well, I want to see more proof. I, w- I want to see more details, uh, for sure. But, you know, when they say, well, no capital gains tax, for instance, Mike, if if the, that if your farm is passed to an heir, right, and it stays in operation. OK, but making that statement automatically influences you as the farmer and landowner about how you plan for the future and how you have conversations with your sons and daughters or maybe extended family about what the farm looks like down the road. That ultimately gets to the concern. It gets to the point of it changes the rules of the game and forces us to have even more conversations about how how to plan and to to adjust. And I think it's really unfair. I've heard the term loophole used. Uh, uh, You know, that really is offensive to to us in agriculture because we don't see it as a loophole. We see it as common sense tax policy that through the years have given us certainty. That's what stepped up basis has provided. It's given us certain certainty. So that that ultimately hits to the heart uh, of what we're talking about. You know, it just frankly, our members aren't buying what's being sold at this point. So as much as agriculture wants and has pushed for these infrastructure improvements, if the price tag is what we're talking about here, these changes in, in taxes for uh, farmers and ranchers, is that a deal breaker? <laughs> I think for Missouri farmers and ranchers, it's a deal breaker. Uh, and again, that's just a, at first blush. We shouldn't have to trade uh, these important tax policies to have the the investments and in infrastructure that we have asked for for years. There are other ways to come up with revenue uh, to invest to do these infrastructure upgrades. I mean, through the years, we haven't talked about these pay-fors in this context. Now, all of a sudden, here we go. So it shouldn't have to be either or, Mike, in our opinion. Mm-hmm. What about uh, what are you hearing from members um, on these proposals and and, and and talk of revenue streams uh, through carbon banks and carbon markets and carbon sequestration. To me, this is another one of those, we've been down this road before, is it going to be different this time? What do you think? What are you hearing? (laughs) Well, let me say, Mike, the mullet is back, and so is the climate discussion. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, this is... This is an interesting topic as we talk about uh, climate change and, and carbon. And you think back 10 years ago to the discussion, you know, then there was at least some discussion of science surrounding climate change. And now it seems like absent from the discussion is, is science and its acceptance. And we're going to take an all the government approach to, to addressing this issue. So when it comes to agriculture's involvement, 
I, I can say that yes, I have some. I have members that are interested. They're intrigued uh, by the potential to participate in the carbon market. The question comes down to what strings are attached. Okay, and, and when we have these discussions, first and foremost, when we're at the table with folks, my ask is that we have first come at come at this discussion from a point of recognition that agriculture has long provided benefits, uh, environmental benefits. So, you know, you remember that in 1985 or so, Missourians put in place a tax for ourselves to, to help promote soil conservation as well as our state parks. You know, that tax through the years has been innovative in helping farmers and ranchers put in place conservation practices that have allowed us to conserve more soil and improve water quality. And you know what? If we were to calculate, we would have provided a ton of uh, quote-unquote climate benefits or carbon benefits as a result of those conservation practices. So I get frustrated personally as a farmer when, when discussions are had and we can't at least start from a point of recognition that agriculture is a provider of solutions and has been for some time. And also the push for more acres and CRP and and the push for more uh, you know this conservation push for climate goals that sounds good and the administration keeps talking about voluntary not mandatory uh are you buying that well we will continue to beat the drum uh as the administration talks about conservation we will continue to beat the drum for voluntary market-based incentives that allow farmers farmers to not only continue practices but to put more practices on the ground but we will be vigilant about this discussion from a private property rights perspective Mm -hmm. that is fundamental to who we are uh, as an organization and that will be front and center as this discussion um, unfolds but i can tell you with all certainty i'm getting a lot of questions from the countryside from my fellow farmers about what does all of this mean what does 30 by 30 mean And, and we continue to ask questions of the administration about that as well I hear cautious skepticism in your voice. <laughs> I think that is fair to say there, there's cautious um, skepticism. Obviously, we want to be at the table. We want to be proactive in discussions. That is important uh, to, to make sure that we are doing all we can to represent our farmers and ranchers. All right, Garrett, good to talk with you again. Take care. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Garrett Hawkins, President, Missouri Farm Bureau. Up next, we talk markets with DTN's lead analyst, Todd Holtman, right here on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Each and every day, DTN and Progressive Farmer editors are posting unique, original content to their website at DTNPF.com, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day business decisions. Their award-winning newsroom covers markets, news, and weather, while also providing insights on crops, cattle, equipment technology, and more. You'll find innovative topics like, would you plant soybeans in December? Experiments look at the possibility of boosting yields with early planting. 
Want to save time? Learn how through autonomous machinery systems. Will there be a surge in feed prices in 2021? And what's today's weather forecast for my farm? The editors of DTN and Progressive Farmer are committed to delivering the essential intelligence farmers need every day to help your farm business be more efficient and profitable. Visit DTNPF.com today. This is the American Egg Network. I'm Kirsten Rawl. The corn market bounced up against the Green Line 20-day moving average Tuesday and stopped. Spec funds were thought to have purchased about 5,000 contracts. Their buying did not keep corn from posting the first day of a buy signal overnight. On the Board of Trade, July corn trading 11.5 cent lower at 646.5 cent. The September contract down 14 and three quarters at 5.57. For soybeans, the July contract down 37 cents at 15.30. The August contract down 35 and a fraction at 1486 and a fraction. For wheats, the Chicago wheat July contract down 15 at 683 and a fraction. Kansas City wheat July down 18 at 629 and three quarters. Minneapolis spring wheat July down 17 and a half cent at 696 and a half cent. The September contract down 18 and three quarters at 702. Both live cattle and hog futures showed a much-awaited bounce. Confidence came from steady to higher cash for cattle and higher cash for hogs. The ban of cattle exports by Argentina will need to result in increased demand for U.S. beef or it will be a market disappointment. In cash cattle country, southern live deals were at $119 per hundredweight to mostly $120 per hundredweight, steady to a dollar higher than last week's weighted averages. Northern dress business was at $190, mostly at $191. For live cattle futures on the Board of Trade, the June contract down 10 cents at $116.65. The August contract down 37 at $119.35. Feeder cattle August up 77 at $152.70. The September contract contract up 65 at 154.17. For lean hogs, the July contract down 70 at 110.80. The June contract trading 30 cents higher at 110.90. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Kirsten Rall for the American Ag Network. You may not realize how important three letters can be. For a patient who needs type A, B, or O blood, these letters can mean life. But there simply aren't enough people giving blood. Every two seconds, someone in the U.S. needs it. But only about 3% of the population donates. Without more donors, hospitals may not have the blood needed to save lives. That's why the American Red Cross needs people to help restore the A's, B's, and O's that are depleting each day. When you make your appointment to donate blood at redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types, you can help give strength to kids parents, and grandparents who face life and death challenges. From cancer patients to accident survivors waiting for critical surgeries, your generosity can give someone more life. Don't wait until the letters A, B, and O are missing from hospital shelves. You are the missing type patients need. Visit redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to make your donation appointment today. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, let's talk markets with Todd Holtman, DTN lead analyst. Todd, thanks for joining us. Uh, we've been reminded that markets can go down still, can't they? 
Boy, yeah, what a barn burner we have today. Uh, this, uh, I think, uh, in hindsight, is going to be classified as maybe a little bit of a black swan here on a minor scale. But it looks like uh, reports of new increasing cases of COVID-19 in Asia is behind a, a lot of broad-based selling here that we're seeing in commodities. And, of course, uh, a lot of the countries uh, thought they were pretty safe and doing very well uh, as far as COVID goes, but that's where the resurgence is coming, and they also happen to be good U.S. grain buyers. So this is a, a tough way to start the day. But yet China still keeps buying. China keeps buying, absolutely. Another 53.5 million bushels purchased this morning. Their new crop total up to 375 million bushels now. I think there's no doubt that uh, they have a similar uh, feed grain need as to what we saw last year. And uh, USDA is already estimating that they will buy a billion bushels of corn total uh, from all sources this year. They're obviously well on their way to that just with the U.S. here in the past couple weeks. So we see these stories about China moving to modernize their pork production. That's pushing this uh, big demand, fueling their purchases. What's going on over there? As best I can tell. uh, Now, uh, uh, let me say in December, officials were saying that, oh, their pork production is back almost to pre-COVID levels. And that didn't seem true, and it didn't seem to jive with the the prices that we were seeing for uh, hogs in China. But since that time, those hog prices have come down pretty dramatically. Uh, China's hog prices are now very close to the levels they were when the whole African swine fever story started to erupt two years ago. So it does look to me like they made good progress in rebuilding that herd, getting their pork production going again. I'm sure they still have a lot of problems, and, and we know African swine fever is not completely out of the picture yet, but uh, as, as far as rebuilding their hog herd, I, I think they are making legitimate progress there, and that should be good news overall for feed demand. We're talking with Todd Holtman, DTN lead analyst. So, as we've talked about, these markets are reacting to different things, uh, such as uh, COVID resurgence in, in other parts of the world, even though uh, the news continues to be very good on on uh, COVID here in this country in cases going down. So, well, we're reminded how sensitive the markets are, especially to, uh, you know, factors other than what we consider just the fundamentals of buying and selling. So where do you yeah. see us going from here? Yeah, great question. You know, if you would have asked me yesterday, I would have been uh, much more optimistic about the demand picture moving forward. I have to say uh, today's news rattles me a little bit. And there's a good chance that this will be just kind of a temporary scare as we get used to this news. I think there's reasons to still be optimistic that um, countries are, you know, we've learned a lot in the past year about how to deal with and contain COVID. I think the worst concern is that uh, Asia might be dealing with some of the uh, very tough variants that we hear about uh, that they're dealing with in India. And uh, if, if that's the case, it, it, it could be a tough problem. But overall, I uh, don't think we're going to enter the panic levels uh, that we saw this, uh, last year. This will probably be, you know, one of those ongoing nagging problems the way it has been that just won't go away. 
But uh, overall, I think we are still going to see a world economy do much better this year and, and those feed grain demand numbers uh, stay much better than usual. So I still expect uh, a much higher uh, trading range for corn and soybeans this year than we saw, say, the previous five. Uh, probably won't get to those elevated on-fire levels that we saw at the end of April and, and early May, but uh, somewhere between that and uh, where we've been. Unless there's a production problem, right? Well, yeah, we can never rule out weather. And uh, already we've got a little concern. You know, the central corn belt could use uh, some more moisture. Uh, Iowa is kind of a swing state in this picture. They've got a threat of drought or being on the edge of drought. Uh, this week's forecast is is really pretty light as far as precipitations amount. Uh, for central corn belt, the northern corn belt has really needed moisture, and it looks like they might uh, do a little better this weekend uh, and early next week. But even when that's done, uh, there's still going to be need for more. And some other places right now need it to shut off for a while. They've had a, a <laughs> lot here in just the last few days. We're talking with Todd Holtman, DTN lead analyst. Uh, but if you go back to the fundamentals, stocks are still tight, right? Yeah, I, I don't think there's any way we can get around that, especially on the soybean side. Uh, the the one uh, kind of contrary indicator that's erupted on the soybean picture lately is uh, that we've seen that basis weaken about 14 cents in the past couple weeks. And that surprised me. And I don't know if it was uh, related to early news about uh, Asia getting out uh, early or possibly getting indications of lighter demand. From Asia, but uh, I know also I think uh, we're dealing with fewer hogs here in the U.S., so our uh, meal uh, needs here in the U.S. Are, are probably lighter than maybe were expected earlier in this year. But overall, still a very tight situation uh, where soybeans are concerned. I, I think there's no argument about that. So maybe time to kind of step back a little bit, take a deep breath, and realize just a reminder that these markets aren't going to go up forever and they're still at levels that we would have loved to have had just a few months ago. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And uh, that, that's exactly what was on my mind a couple weeks ago when I uh, did encourage our subscribers to uh, consider making some new crop forward cash purchases, knowing that uh, you can't do too much of your production early in this year, especially if you've got a threat of weather problems uh, knocking on your door. But boy, when those prices got as good as they did, uh, in early May. It was just hard to, to ignore that, knowing that there's plenty of uncertainty in front of us. Let's talk about wheat for a little bit. Uh, we've got the uh, hard red winter wheat tour underway out in Kansas, uh, getting a better handle on, on that crop. Uh, what are we seeing as far as feeding wheat and uh, demand for the, for the wheat crop and what you see with wheat prices? Uh, you know, I have to say, I, and maybe this sums it up best, if it wasn't for the bullish situation in corn and beans, I think we would probably see our winter wheat prices as much as a dollar or a dollar fifty lower. And uh, I, I say that because in spite of the dry weather threat and the very dry winter that we had for the whole Western Plains, the, the winter wheat crop overall seems to be doing fairly well. The wheat tour yesterday came out with a 59 bushel average on their the first day of the tour. Now, uh, what they were looking at was northern Kansas and southern Nebraska, and I think that might uh, will probably end up being the best parts uh, of this year's tour. But uh, overall, 
that, that winter wheat crop is hardy. It's been through cold weather a couple times and uh, survived some, some dry stretches here. But uh, I, I think it, it's, it's going to do just about as good overall as the crop did last year. And unfortunately, we just don't see increasing demand for wheat here in the U.S. Our, our wheat demand has been pretty flat stable. Uh, for several years, and that's not likely to change in the year ahead. So, um, if it, as I say, if it wasn't for corn, I, I think we'd be about a dollar lower. So, what are you what are you talking with your uh, your customers, your clients about? Calm through this right now. Don't panic. <laughs> well, uh, you know, we certainly try to do that. We certainly try to stay as objective as we can. We look try to look at all the different angles of the market and put the pieces together. Uh, best we can and we know you know i've been warning it's going to be a volatile summer and i think that's still true and, and we're just starting to see a taste of that now yeah volatile means it can go up or down right and uh we've, we've yeah. just gotten used to this steady march upward that it's this is it gets shocking whenever we see it down yeah well of course that always keeps me up at night when it's just going up day after day because we just know those times won't last and uh it's always a challenge to try to get the best end of that. But uh, again, here early in the season, it's hard to take advantage of too much uh, of these prices until we get a little more confident about what kind of production we'll have. Todd, there's a lot of people talking about inflation, concerns about inflation. Are you concerned about inflation? Um, on the spectrum uh, of that argument, I'm on the less concerned side. And um, I, I understand the concerns, but as I look at the, the bullish moves that we're seeing in a lot of the commodity board, uh, in my mind, a lot of these things have very specific uh, situations behind them. For instance, in lumber, well, they have a, a sawmill kind of chokehold uh, in, in that commodity. There's plenty of timber and lumber available, we're told. And, of course, uh, Canada's our next-door neighbor, and we could work out perhaps a little better tariff deal uh, in, in regard to them. Or there, there's other ways we could try to help alleviate this. But uh, the situation like lumber seems like a temporary thing. If you look at copper, which I keep a, a, an eye on, it's kind of a world indicator. I think that's uh, responded very early uh, last year into China's rebound from the pandemic and the fact that you know, China's GDP is estimated to be up 8% this year. And so that, that's kind of behind a, a lot of the bullishness in the higher commodity prices, whether it's crude oil uh, or copper. All right, Todd, always good to get your perspective. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Mike, very much. Todd Holtman, DTN lead analyst. Up next... Ethan Lane with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association joins us. Very interesting meeting held earlier this month in Phoenix. A lot of different uh, cattle groups got together that usually don't see eye to eye on a lot of things. We'll find out what they came away from that meeting thinking next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block, 
maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. And in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. To be the king of the road, you have to fill with the king of diesels. We're talking about Cenex Premium Diesel. It comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Cenex Roadmaster XL even cleans up and prevents injector fouling to keep your trucks out of the shop and on the road. And typical number two diesel? That's always an option. The wrong option. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Your harvest is your most important asset. It's like money in the bank, and you can get everything you need to store and protect it through one source, your FS Grain System Specialist. With any brand of grain system you choose, your specialist will oversee planning and construction to make sure it's done right. And you can count on FS for maintenance too. Contact your local FS company or visit fsgrainsystems.com. It's one more way FS is bringing you what's next. Recently on Adams on Agriculture. And we're joined now by Maria Ziba. She is the Assistant Vice President, International Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council. I want to focus on gaining more market access, more market share in Vietnam. What's the challenge? What's the issue here? Tariffs? It's partly tariffs, and 72 members of Congress sent a letter to Ambassador Thai last week, and they agree with us that tariffs are too high, and we need a level playing field, and we also need to address some non-tariff barriers. How big a market could that potentially be for U.S. pork producers? Well, Vietnam consumes more pork than Mexico, and about 57 pounds of pork per year per citizen. So we can certainly see this market going from a $54 million market to something similar to to the Mexican market, which last year we exported $1.2 billion. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. 
Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we examine how the modern cooperative system solves today's biggest challenges. We'll be talking to CHS experts and farmers and ranchers just like you, and we'll learn how cooperatives apply innovation and technology to help co-op owners get more value every day. So join us for Around the Table every Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Progressive Farmer knows you need content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we've created our weekly podcast, Field Posts, to bring you convenient and easy-to-listen-to interviews on key topics and trends. Join me, Sarah Mock, as I interview some of agriculture's best thoughts. You'll have a front-row seat to learn what's happening in agriculture today. You can view our library of podcasts and upcoming topics by going to dtnpf.com backslash field posts. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. So earlier this month, there was a meeting held in Phoenix of six groups talking about what's going on, the challenges facing the cattle industry. And some of these groups uh, historically do not see eye to eye on a lot of issues or on some key issues. That's kind of an understatement. But they came together to discuss these challenges and they found some uh, areas of agreement, uh, some common ground on some things. And and, I want to talk about that with Ethan Lane, Vice President, Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Ethan, (laughs) thanks for joining us. What was your takeaway from that meeting? You know, I I think it was a a good opportunity for the leadership of all of our respective organizations, some of them cattle specific, some of them you know, representing uh, the, the larger agriculture community, groups like Farm Bureau, to get together and, and really find those common ground items that we know are, are agreed upon by producers, no matter where they are in the country, no matter what organization they happen to affiliate with, um, or, or what part of the, the cattle supply chain they, they are in. You know, uh, I think that was a really good uh, use of time and a, and a good message to send to Congress that while we do have uh, you know, some differences amongst these organizations in how to achieve some of these goals. Uh, we're all generally pushing in the same direction and trying to get the same thing done. And, and uh, that's always that's always a good use of time to deliver that message. Yeah, you had the U.S. Cattlemen's Association, as you mentioned, the American Farm Bureau, NCBA, National Farmers Union, RCAF USA, and the Livestock Marketing Association. I would say the one area that probably you can all agree on, concerns about the cattle market, may disagree on some of the ways to address it, but one area that everyone seems to be saying now, we need to hear about this uh, Department of Justice investigation. We're not getting any updates. We don't have any timeline. Don't know what's going on. How frustrating is that? Well, it's frustrating because it's so immediate for our producers, right? I mean, here we are a year after that, that really kicked off in earnest. Um, after, you know, demand letters from us and other uh, organizations asking Department of Justice, asking the Trump administration to look into the cattle market. You know, here we sit a year later and we don't have an update on that. And, you know, I, I mean, we can look at it from our perspective sitting in Washington, D.C. and say, well, gosh, this is, you know, now on DOJ's timeline and this is not out of character for how DOJ proceeds with, uh, you know, an investigation like this. It's no different than any other criminal investigation they might be uh, uh, pursuing. 
And, and that's, that's, you know, kind of the process side of it, but, but out in the country amongst our producers that are still, you know, getting, getting hammered every day uh, in this, in this price disparity that we're seeing in the market, that really doesn't matter, right? They, they need to hear an update about what they're finding, what they're seeing um, and, and, and what they think might be going on in the marketplace. And we know they've been out on the ground talking to producers. We know they've, they've done uh, a, quite a few interviews at feedlots and market participants. And, uh, you know, it's just getting to that point where we really need to hear an update. And, and that's why we spent some time over the last few weeks working with Senator Thune from South Dakota and Dusty Johnson, Congressman from South Dakota, uh, to get that letter sent that was sent earlier this week by 14 uh, congressmen and senators to ask for that investigation to, at the very least, uh, provide an update to the country. But, but uh, optimally, you know, let's, let's get some results. Let's find out what they found uh, so we know where to go from here. Absent from your meeting earlier this month was uh, the packing industry. No beef packers there. And pardon the pun, but they're the ones you have a beef with right now. Uh, many producers concerned about prices and, and how the markets are working or not working as they see it. Uh, any plans to have more discussions or meetings with them? Well, you know, I, I mean, I think there's there's always an ongoing dialogue there. And, and you know, certainly uh, they have their opinions on, on the market conditions as well. And if you're looking at it from their side of the, the ledger, gosh, you know, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult environment because, you know, you've got a huge supply of cattle on one side and you have a huge demand on the other and you have a finite amount of packing capacity in the middle with a diminishing labor supply. You know, I mean, we, we were all talking about the fact that a lot of folks don't want to come to work right now because it actually makes them more money to stay at home if you're around that $15 an hour mark. Um, and, and that's something we keep hearing from the packers. Um, and those dialogues will continue, but it's important that the producer uh, end of this equation continue to stress the pressures that just aren't going away uh, on their side of the ledger. Continue to stress the fact that, you know, when you have an $870 or $900 margin uh, for a packer and, a, and an $87 margin for a feeder in the same animal, uh, that's, that's a price disparity that's just flat and not sustainable. It, it isn't going to work for any cattle producer in the country. So uh, that's going to be our continued focus. And, and you know, I, I know the, uh, the packers are, are well aware of our concerns there. And, and, and you know, we're going to have to keep working towards getting that leverage pendulum swung back towards the producers. Okay, what's the next step coming out of this meeting? Well, you know, the, the three deliverables that were identified by the group, um, obviously packing capacity, small and regional packing capacity is, is one that is kind of a no-brainer. I think, uh, again, that's one of those issues that they're in the producer in the country that, that wouldn't agree with the idea that we need more packers, we need smaller, more regional uh, uh, packing capacity that really meets the needs of the different areas uh, in the country. And really putting a focus on that, sending that message to Capitol Hill is really important. All of the groups agreed that it's, it's time to go ahead and get that five-year reauthorization of livestock mandatory reporting. You know, we keep kicking the can down the road uh, with these spending bills that kind of do a, a year-long authorization. Um, and that, that that LMR reauthorization needs to include a contract library so that producers can see the, the, the different terms that other uh, other people in the marketplace are, are maybe getting in their deals with the packers. So that'll maybe help them in their negotiations and, and get a better price for their cattle as well. Um, so on top of that DOJ investigation, those are the other two pieces that are pretty immediate. And, and those are things that Congress can take out of this meeting and say, okay, great. We've got, we've got broad agreement, at least in the cattle sector. LMR is going to have issues still with the, you know, the hog side and, and, and some sheep industry stuff um, that really isn't out inside the control of the cattle folks. But from our perspective, I mean, that's a pretty clear message that, hey, we're ready to reauthorize this thing and move forward. Okay. We'll watch closely. Ethan, thanks for the update. You bet, Mike.
Thank you. Ethan Lane, Vice President, Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. So some groups that oftentimes don't see eye to eye on some issues in the cattle industry uh, have found some common ground here. That's news within itself. And uh, then we'll see where this goes. But uh, all concerned. It shows the seriousness of this issue among those in the cattle industry as these groups come together to try to get some uh, things worked out over these concerns over the cattle market for the cattle industry right now and still waiting to hear from the Department of Justice on their investigation. Hey, tomorrow I'm going to go to Decatur, Illinois, and we'll broadcast from the Farm Progress Show site. We'll have an update for you. Join us on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.